0: I have my limits. Not. uh, uh, I know it's probably shocking, but I'm not great at everything. (laughs) I'm barely even good at this. I. I was telling Rachel the other day that uh, it's obvious that the Holy Spirit. If anyone anyone would watch me do anything at any point of the week, except when for the 25 to 35 minutes I'm up here. Occasionally, um, they would think, man, that guy must be guided by the Holy Spirit. He can barely function anywhere else. (laughs) Um, I'm just not good at most things. Uh, and not just, uh, for example, I, I just can't get things in order, not on my desk, but I can't, like I get in the car and I'll reach for, to put it in drive without even getting the keys out of my pocket, um. I haven't figured out how to do that in the right order yet. Rachel laughs at me constantly. Where I just I have I have these limitations. I have these obstacles. Where I'm just I'm really I'm really just not that smart um, in most areas, or if any, in any areas. Um, but you gotta you gotta just keep doing it. I can't give up on the car. I can't give up on um, on trying to do my best and try to fix things. when well, I think well. I may make it worse, but at least let's, let's take this computer apart and see what happens. Um, I've, I've done that. Our, our Macintosh, we have this iMac at our house, and it was, um, apparently to take it apart, you have to take the glass off, but I couldn't figure out how to do that, so I just went and got the girls, they had a little play toy that stuck to the side, they had these suction cups that stuck to the side of the bathtub. I just took that off and stuck, stuck that thing to that computer screen, and just pulled a little, and it worked. Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> the God, God at that point was like, send somebody to help that crazy loon. Um, I get that a lot. And I, I get—I I believe that the, there's, and, and in, in not very serious fashions and in some very serious ways, God is with us to help us do the things that we probably couldn't do on our own that we probably couldn't handle, that we probably couldn't achieve, attitudes that we probably couldn't have. I believe that God is with us to help us in those moments. And we have some brokenness in our lives. As we've talked about over the past couple of months, we are, we are broken people. We sin. We fall short. And we have some obstacles that we need to overcome so that we can live the way God wants us to live, to do the things God would have us to do big things, serious things, things that scare us, that we think, I don't know if I can do that, but yet, here we are, being called to do it. Jesus looked at Peter one time, and said, let's go fishing. And I can't imagine Peter's face. I'm, I'm probably really bad at poker, because what Rachel says, what I'm thinking, just... Comes out of my face. I can't help my face. And um, I, you know, I think if I was Peter, I would have given Jesus a, a strange look. Jesus, you just delivered a great sermon, but who's the fisherman? Who's the one who knows the limitations? Actually, it's in Luke 5. If you want to turn there with me, we'll be in Luke 5. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, um, that's the Sea of Galilee, it's the same thing. Um, So if you want to read this out loud and you don't want to say Gennesaret, you can say Sea of Galilee, just change it, it's fine, it's no big deal. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, this is Peter, and asked him to put out. A little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught people from the boat. The reason he did this, you've probably heard this all your life. Um, but if you've ever been on a lake, and someone someone's about 100 yards from you on the lake, and they're just talking, you can hear them, every word. It's a, he, they, they'd scoot out in boats when there was a large crowd so that the sound would amplify off of the water. So he put out in the boat, a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now at this point, Peter's probably thinking, are you serious? Did you see what they were doing when he walked up? Washing their nets. They were done. They were done fishing. They were washing their nets. They'd done, they'd fished all night. And Peter actually says, tells Jesus this. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. And haven't caught anything. But then he says something interesting. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Okay, so a couple of obstacles that Peter had to overcome. Or Peter knew was there and he probably knew that thought that Jesus didn't know about. First off, they they had fished all night. They were tired. Their sort of fishing takes uh, energy. You, you 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 throw out cast out these nets and you catch a, a large quantity of fish and then you pull them in. So if you're not catching fish, it's not just because they're not biting; it's because they're not there. They're not they're not even present. We've been out in this area all day. We're gonna have to figure out. We're gonna go to a different part of the lake, uh, the sea next week or uh, tomorrow or tomorrow evening. Plus. There's two different types of nets you use for fishing. Um, there's, there's a daytime net and a nighttime net. If you have a nighttime net um, and use it in the daytime, not only if the fish... First off, the fish weren't there. second off, Secondly, the fish, if they were there, could see the net and would swim around it. The nighttime net was specifically for the dark water. And you had to wash it every... Um, every morning so that it would be invisible again the next night. So Peter instinctively, he's been fishing all his life, been fishing since he was a boy with his dad, apprenticing with his dad, fishing this whole time. And he knows, oh, well, we're not going to fish it in the day, in the morning with night nets. We're not going to drop nets again. Since we've been in this place all night and not a we haven't caught anything. It doesn't even make sense. Peter says, but listen, because you say so. I'm going to do it now. I wish I could surprise you with what happened next, but I just can't. When they had done so, when they put down their nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Now, notice for us, the, for, for us, non, I mean, most of us aren't like professional fishermen. Most of us don't fish with nets. But for Peter, the, the level of obstacles that Jesus had to overcome to catch. A large catch of fish at this period was was just absurd. For us, we think, oh, well, Peter couldn't do it, but all of a sudden he did it. For Peter, this is ridiculous. This is crazy that this happened. One, the fish weren't there. The nets weren't the right right time. I'm tired. I'm not going to be able to do the sort of um, things that I've done all night. I'm exhausted. So... All these limitations that Peter knew about. Listen, these limitations weren't fake. These limitations weren't fake at all. They were real. Peter knew them because he was good at his job. And Peter knew them because he was a realist. And he said, This isn't, listen, I'm going to tell you before we do this that we've been out here, pay attention, all night and we haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I will do it. And they caught such a, a huge catch and overcome so many obstacles that Peter here is saying, Jesus, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure about what what you are. Now, Peter, Simon knew Jesus. I mean, Simon, uh, in Luke's gospel, he would already healed his mother-in-law, which Peter had mixed feelings about. So, but here, Simon, he, he said, oh, listen, I... If you'll tell me to do it, I'll do it. I've watched you heal somebody. I'll I'll catch. And then he falls down in front of him and says, No, you go away. Go away because I'm not who you think I am. I'm an awful person. And what you just did is from God. Because only from God can we find such a huge catch of fish. This is... Miraculous. It's not just a circle. It, he, oh, Jesus overcame real obstacles to do something amazing. It goes on, for he and all his companions, he was. he said, go away. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is even crazier than just letting down your nets and seeing what happens. Peter was a fisherman. He was good at it. He was the sort of fisherman that wasn't just a, a day laborer. So there were fishermen like that. Fishermen who had who would go to the go to the sea, um, see if there, anybody. That, that was their trade. But they didn't have enough money to invest in the boats. But James and John, the son of Zebedee, were they they afforded their own. They could afford their own boats. They had partners. This was a business. They would catch the fish and they would go sell them at the marketplace. Probably sell them to someone who would sell them at the marketplace, but this was their their own business. It probably was funded by a guy named Zebedee, James and John's dad. He was probably pretty wealthy, but he, they had these part this partnership and these boats that was that was making a living. Peter, let's remember, he had a mother in law, and you don't just go out and get those. You have to have a wife. So Peter has family to support. And he was supporting them just fine. Until he caught more fish than he'd ever caught before. And walked away from it. Notice it says they left their boats and everything. That means a bunch of fish. That means they left money on the table to go do something that Peter is completely unqualified to do. Listen, Jesus was considered a rabbi. He was considered a teacher. But to to follow a teacher, you had to apply. You had to go through a process, and you had to go through schooling. Most of you probably know this, but if you don't, for a young Jewish boy you spent the first years of school memorizing the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Not learning about the stories, memorizing all of that. So most Jewish boys had a pretty good working understanding of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And most of them could re- recite it for you front to back. So that was your primary schooling from the, from the early ages um, to about 8, 9. Now, at that point, if you were really good, at mem- if you knew your Torah very well, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, if you knew that really well, um, you moved on to the next stage of school. But if you weren't the best of the best, then you, were, then you went on, you went out and, um, and got a job. Actually, you you worked with your dad and you were going to do whatever it is your dad did. It's interesting for me um, that that Peter was a fisherman. He wasn't the best of the best. Now, if you were the best of the best, you went on to a different school where you you memorized all the law and the prophets. Memorized. And if you were pretty good at that but not great, you went and did, uh, you went and got a trade. But if you were really good at that, you went and memorized all of the commentary on all of the Old Testament. So you knew all of Genesis through Malachi memorized, plus all the things that all the great rabbis had said about all the things that were in Genesis through Malachi. And at that point, at that point, you could then apply to be a follower of a rabbi, to be a disciple. To be a disciple, you would you would stand in front of the rabbi and you would walk up to the rabbi and you would say you would you would say, I want to follow you. And the rabbi would say what um, would well, we'll ask you a question and then you'd have to ask him a question back. And then he would ask you a question and then you'd ask him a question back. Um, rabbinical discussions looked like a game from whose line is it anyway? That was just for about five of you, but that's fine. So. They 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 had they, they would have this discussion back and forth. And if the rabbi was impressed with the knowledge and the and, and the way this this kid understood scripture, he would say, follow me. And he would say, you have you have um, upheld the law. You've honored the law. You can follow me. Sometimes he would say, no, this isn't for you. Go on your way. When you go on your way, you either got to find another, find another rabbi, maybe a lesser rabbi, and follow him, and then, but if not, you got to go back and figure out your trade. It is really, really hard to, to be a disciple of a rabbi in the first century Jewish culture. So for Jesus to just walk up to these guys and say, "From now on, you're going to follow me." And be a rabbi, and be someone who who goes out and catches, um, gets men to follow me too. That's the obstacles in their mind at that point. I've got to be tremendous. I'm not trained for this. I don't know enough about my Bible to talk to people about the Bible. I can't do this. because Jesus had just overcome some very serious obstacles. Jesus wasn't showing them that he was a good fisherman. Jesus wasn't trying to show them that he was better at their job than they were. Jesus was showing them, I know you think the obstacles are big, but I am bigger. I am greater than the obstacles you face." I'm greater than the challenges that you might think will come up. Now notice, again, the obstacles are not imaginary. We can't, we can't look at our obstacles and, at, uh, of following Jesus, maybe the things that we think, I, I'm not the sort of person who can tell other people about Jesus. And when you think that, you are not lying to yourself. You might not know your Bible that well. You might not be the best representative of the kingdom. You might have some obstacles, some things in your past. Now, a lot of you grew up here. And that in itself is tough. There's no way I could live in the Queen, Arkansas. Mainly because we just keep losing. (laughs) But I won't feel bad until y'all get a soccer team and try to take us on. We're more about football. But I couldn't live there because they know me. And they only know me as 12-year-old, basically a 12-year-old crazy person. I couldn't, I couldn't exist. But you, some of you live in a place where they know you, and they've known you, for, since, you were, since you were yay high. And, and you, can't, you can't tell them about the gospel. Who are you? They know everything you've ever done. They remember that time that that you raced down the street with your friend, wearing less than you should have. I, I don't know. I, I caught who that was. They 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 remember the time that you got sent to detention because you forgot where, uh, because you put a firecracker in someone's locker. They remember you being a mischievous kid. They remember you being a crazy college-age kid. They know what that tattoo says that you've been trying to cover up for so long. Both literally and figuratively. They know, and so there's so many obstacles that you you have to overcome to be the sort of person that walks up to other people and says, I... I think you need Jesus. I know you need Jesus. To walk up to other people and say, Jesus is alive and it's real and he's king and you need a community that that attests to that. I think you need a church home. I think you need a church family. And to say that to someone is the scariest thing. It's almost like we look at Jesus and say, Lord, we've been fishing these waters all our life. And we've come up empty. Jesus says, I know the obstacles. I'm aware of the obstacles. But I'm also aware that God is bigger than your obstacles. Cast your nets again. Do it again. You never know what you're going to pull in. You never know what you're going to find. When Jesus tells you to cast your nets, there come a day that you'll realize all those obstacles, man. Those were they were big and they were real. But God is bigger. God is more powerful. And God can overcome. You know, Jesus says in the um, in the sermon. I went past my slide there. Jesus says, uh, the last thing he says to his disciples in the book of Matthew is go into all the world um, preaching the gospel. The good news. Baptizing them and teaching them all the things I told you. But before he tells them that, he says, "All power, all authority, has been on heaven in heaven and on earth has been given to me." He wants to remind them, "You don't think you're qualified. I know you don't think you're qualified." And I want you to know right now for a fact you are not. You are not good enough. You are not pristine. Your reputa- reputation may precede you. The skeletons have made their way out of the closet and into the front onto the front lawn. People know. But God is bigger. God is bigger than what's in our way. God is bigger than what we're scared might happen. God is bigger than the obstacles that we have to overcome. He can overcome. And he has called us to go into the world and tell people the gospel. Now, I'll be honest with you, I think for for a long time, I think we we've abandoned the gospel and started preaching our church and we've said said here go to if you go to go to my church then then you'll be saved but the reason we're saved is not because of the church we go to the reason we are saved is because Jesus walked out of the tomb and validated and sanctified all that he did going into the tomb And we have that confidence that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the one who calls us to overcome the obstacles and cast our nets again. Jesus says to the disciples, come come with me. From now on, you will catch men just like you caught fish just now. It is frustrating to hear. People say things like, well, we evangelize with our actions. No, you don't, actually. Um, now, y- you can prop up any evangelism you, you-, you have. You can-, you can support what you tell people about Jesus with what you do. But if you want to be like Jesus... You've got to open your mouth and say something about Jesus. It's just what he did. And to proclaim the gospel to the world means that occasionally with a friend you're going to have to say, Hey, I think I really think you would connect with Jesus at this church. Come to church with me and be a part of this community. Sometimes it's not even like you saying, like pid- cornering someone and saying, ah, good, bad, task It's bigger. It's more subtle than that. It's when you do something kind for someone else, and they say, thank you, and you say, I want, I want to be very clear. I did this because Jesus is alive. How do you find it in you to forgive them? I forgive them because Jesus forgave me. Sometimes evangelizing looks more like humility. And we're just pointing to, with gratitude to what God has done. And it's just because he tells us to. It doesn't make sense. And throughout this series, we're going to look at some things... Well, we're going to say, it does not make sense what he told us to do, but we're doing it. The obstacles are, the hurdles are high, the barriers are large, and the, We we could not overcome, but because Jesus told us to go, we will go. And because Jesus told us to cast our nets, we will cast our nets. Because Jesus told us to tell people about the gospel, we will tell them. We will not be afraid of the barriers, but we will have faith that Jesus truly can overcome. This has to do with with whether or not you're talking about the gospel, and it also has to do with the fact that you may be sitting there and thinking, "I, the things I do, the thing, the way I live, I can't get out of it. I can't change." You can. I've tried before, and it just didn't yield any, result, any results. Cast your net again. Return home. I wouldn't be doing this. This whole minister-preacher thing. And frankly, even if I wasn't a minister or a preacher, I wouldn't even be coming to church if I didn't believe this one fact, God can change anyone. He can change me. He can change you. If I didn't believe that, I'd give up. Because it's it's a waste of time if you can't. It's a waste of our time if He can't change. He can change you. Now, He may not do it immediately, but He can do it. He may not do it like today. But you stick with Jesus long enough. You cast your nets consistently enough. You will look back ten years from now. And you'll say, I am not who I was. And you will tell people, I am not who I was. And there will be a moment where you'll think, I want to take credit for that. But you don't take credit for that. Say, Jesus told me to cast my net again and I cast it. Jesus told me I could overcome and I overcame. Jesus told me I could do great things and I did great things and it's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm qualified. It's not because I had no barriers or no hurdles to overcome. It's not because I'm smart. It's not because I'm holy. It's because Jesus is holy. Jesus is qualified. Jesus can do it. He can do it for you. He's done it for me. He's powerful enough to overcome the obstacles. Please come forward and let Him start overcoming in your life. Whether you're afraid to go fishing or you're afraid to do what He tells you to do. Start living knowing that it's not your job to be the one who completely changes you. But that Jesus can work miracles in any life. You can work it in your life. I'm passionate about this because I've seen it happen time and time again. And I've seen people doubt it time and time again. And this is a call to faith today. To a faith that changes your actions and changes you slowly. My favorite quotes is from a, a Franciscan priest, who are, by the way, the best kind. And his name's Richard Rohr, and Richard Rohr says, we do not think ourselves into a new way of living. We live ourselves into a new way of thinking. The life The new life is waiting for you today. And you may think, all the obstacles I've got in front of me. Jesus can overcome that. He can overcome it. I've seen him do it, and I will see him do it again. And I would would love to see him do it this morning. Because you have enough faith to turn. You have enough faith to come down front or grab a friend and go out back. Who cares? You have enough faith to let Jesus overcome the obstacles for you. And start walking, even though you don't think you can make it to the end. Start walking. See who knocks down your obstacles. See who overcomes your barriers. And then give glory to God. But it just takes a step to start the journey. Please come forward while we stand and while we sing.